Hey everyone, welcome to Speculative Work. I'm your host, James Aaron, and this is episode 15. So when I started this podcast, my intention was just to do an author diary, but it's expanded into more than that. I can't seem to help going on about things that are important to me, and one of the things that's very important to me is connection with other authors. I've talked a lot about building relationships with writers, building community, being part of a community, and one of the best ways to do that is just to reach out to people and talk to them. Um, and this show is a, is a good way for me to do that. So if you have not started your own podcast or um, are looking for reasons to talk to folks, a podcast can be a great way to do that. Um, so I'm very excited to introduce my interview with Josh Hayes. Um, Josh is a science fiction author and one of the leaders, if they have a leader, of Keystroke Medium, uh, a group of authors out to help as many writers as they can. So I won't get too deep into Josh's bio because we talk about that during our conversation. Um, but it's, uh, he's, he's been very busy uh, in the past year, and I think you're going to be really impressed with the things that, that he's up to. Uh, it's been really inspiring to me, and I know that uh, his work and the work of everybody who's involved with Keystroke um, is really helping uh, a lot of writers. It's the kind of thing that I wish I discovered back in you know, 2014 when I was first out there looking for um, a writer's group to be part of. And there just wasn't a lot online that I could find that really fit what I was trying to do. And I think everybody involved in Keystroke Medium is just really giving of themselves uh, generously. And like we talked about in the interview, I think all of those good things are going to come back to everyone that's part of the project. So um, let's take care of some updates and then get to the interview. I don't want to waste too much time. So my main update is that I've had to adjust my podcasting schedule. I was hoping for weekly, uh, but since I'm living on baby time right now, uh, I have to call my publishing schedule when baby allows. I'm still shooting for weekly, but there may be some two-week stretches in there. Although I think in general I'm going to aim for Mondays, just not every Monday. Uh, We'll see how that turns out. I just don't want to create any expectations that I'll be able to do something every week uh, when it doesn't happen. Although, again, I'm just getting better at figuring out when to grab time to to record. Just one of the problems with podcasting is that you need certain conditions in the house, and if you can't get quiet or you can't get time to yourself, it's pretty difficult to, to make that happen. So um, for me, it's just being consistent, and being consistent means making another episode, even if it's not the best time that I would hope it to be. So um, I ask your forgiveness and that you'll you'll just kind of bear with me <laughs> for this this time period. Um, you know, this is definitely something I'd like to be doing a year from now, and I expect my schedule to, uh, you know, become more calm as as my daughter gets older. So uh, soldier on, we will uh, we'll drive on. So this last week was all about editing. Um, I printed out the manuscript for Eva Destruction, and I've been reading and making notes and basically doing a developmental edit. Kind of enough time has gone by that I can almost approach it cold where, um, you know, following like the through lines of the plot and the character emotions and point of view and blocking, you know, what the characters are doing in space, not space uh, specifically, but space anywhere, um, you know, does this thing that they're doing make sense in terms of how they're um how they're moving, what they're saying, what they're doing, that all those kind of things, you know, as you read through, you just make notes on what makes sense and doesn't make sense. And if there's something I forgot, you know, I can just make in general notes and all that. So making some good progress. I'll be through the manuscript, I think, um, by Wednesday. And then my goal there was really to get things fresh in my mind because I'd 
kind of gone off on a couple different side uh, plots that pulled my mind out of my main plot. And so I want to get back into that main plot so I can finish the last movement of the book and have it be done. So that's um, what this has all been about. Like normally we actually don't, I don't print out a manuscript anymore. Um, but this one, the scope of this book has just been so much bigger than anything I've written. And it's something that I'm just really stressing getting right because it's the first book of a, a new big series that, um, you know, I am a little more anxious about this than I probably would be with, with other stories. Um, and then also my mind has just felt, you know, there's lack of sleep, kind of inability to focus. Uh, things are just, just hard right now with the baby. And I don't, um, want to sit here and complain, but when you, when you want to accomplish something creative, I think you need certain conditions to really be ideal for that. And right now, you know, I'm just not in an ideal situation. So sometimes I have to sit down to write and that the muse is definitely not coming to me. The motivation is not coming to me. So I just try and write whatever until something comes and then just push ahead. And the problem with that is that when you go back to edit, you'll, you can really see the kind of choppiness in what you wrote. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm pushing ahead. I have to do more editing than I would normally do on something like this where I, so that I feel it's ready to hand off to someone else who can read it and then give it back to me so I can make more edits. <laughs> so that's, that's where we are right now. Um, but, uh, I am feeling pretty good about, it. you know, it's one of those things where you, you first write something and you kind of go through a, a high where you feel really good about it, at least me personally, then I feel bad about it. Then I put it away for a while and come back and you go through that. Oh, this, yeah, this isn't as bad as I thought it was, you know, <laughs> this is, this is okay. This is going to be all right. So that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm at right now. Um, let's see. So I didn't do much reading this week, um, but I've been doing just a lot of projects. We've been doing a lot of work around the house. Um, I finished an e-bike project that I've been working on. I posted about that on Facebook. Um, basically just bought a hub for a bike that I had and have been hooking up, hooking up the battery and everything. And, and it's fun. Like this bike just hauls ass. Um, it's like basically turning this, this old Dutch cruiser I had into a moped and the thing goes about 20 miles an hour. So it's like having a scooter. Um, and it just gets up and goes. Uh, so that's pretty fun. I've been wanting to ride it to work, but the weather here has just been terrible. Like it's basically been raining for five days and it's supposed to rain the rest of the week. So we're fully into spring here in Oregon, which just means rain <laughs> until probably July when hopefully the sun comes back out. Um, but that's been fun and working on projects really helps clear my mind. So I have time to think about, um, you know, mull over plot things and character things and, and other stuff that I want to fix in the book. Um, so it, it's good for me to do this kind of thing. Uh, just again with the baby, it's like running out to do a few little steps on something, coming back in, you know, spending time with the baby, going back out, swapping out my, with my wife, things like that. So, um, I can't just devote like six hours on a Saturday to, uh, to doing anything. Um, yeah, but I do feel like my focus is, is coming back, which is, which is good. So I wish I had more to report, but that's where I'm at right now. Um, I'm chipping this book out of granite, but it is coming. And I feel like I've been the same, the same thing for like five, six weeks, but that's, uh, that's where it's at. And part of the conversation, um, one of the things that Josh and I talked about is like putting pressure on yourself to succeed. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, you just got to find your, your best way through. And Josh has, has some good thoughts on that. So 
I was really excited to talk to Josh because um, he's just doing a lot of cool stuff right now. Uh, he recently left a career in law enforcement to write full time. And I think that's a really, really good to hear about with folks that are kind of in career work. And this is something we talk about. I mean, it's a little different to have to be laid off from a job and start writing full time or to have a job that you're not really um, that's not career type work like. I say this in the interview, but I don't want to denigrate anyone's work, but when you're kind of doing work that, like if you've gone to an academy or you've had to get a degree in that and now you're doing the work, you know, like being a doctor or something, it's pretty difficult to walk away from that and completely transition into a different career. So he's been able to make that work, but then it's it's been a little while that he's been doing that. So we had a chance to talk about like how things are different than what he expected and really what his really big goals are for uh, for the future and what he hopes to accomplish because he's obviously a person who's making a lot of things um, happen and he's surrounded by a group of people that are making things happen so that's really inspiring to me I mean it's kind of similar to what we have in Aeon 14 um, so that's the kind of stuff that I love I love being around a group of people that are motivated and um, excited about what they're working on and I went to a leadership course where the uh, the gist of the training was like most people rate themselves like in terms of effectiveness at between one and ten, like a seven, when in reality they're probably a three. But when you get, you know, a group of people together that are all threes, um, they become a ten. <laughs> so even though we all overestimate our ability to make things happen, um, together we are better. And um, I really think that's true even uh, for writers. Even though we're introverts and we want to be away in our cave, I actually think that stereotype is very much dying um, as more and more people talk online, you know, and you, more people get an idea of what a writer's career looks like. Um, and Keystroke Medium is a great example about that. So what are the things that we talk about? Um, Keystroke Medium is developing writing courses, video content, anthologies, um, prop, moving into publishing. Um, Josh and John Evans are putting together Nova Blue, which is a shared law enforcement universe. Um, that's going to be really cool. I'm hoping to do, or I, I am planning on doing a novel in that um, universe as well. And let's see. Um, after talking with Josh, I really don't believe that he's doing these things for marketing reasons. Um, although that's certainly part of, you know, being a writer, but the karma of doing these good things is coming back to him um, through author relationships, offers of work, conferences, etc. And I think that you can, you'll really be able to learn a lot from what he's been, um, the ways that he's been connecting with other people and the things that he's building. So I think he's truly a great example of you get what you give. Um, so you're going to enjoy our conversation. Uh, I'm not going to do an outro, so I will talk to you next week or as soon as the baby allows. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, here is a speculative work conversation with science fiction author Josh Hayes. So Josh Hayes, thanks for being here. Hey man, thanks for having me. Yeah, you are you are the inaugural interview with Speculative Works, so I'm very excited to have you on the show. I, I appreciate you taking a chance on such a young and unknown property. Oh no, man, I, I, I listened to your show. Uh, I, actually, I just listened to the latest episode. Uh, um, what day was I? I was outside doing something. I usually listen to podcasts or audiobooks when I'm like working in the garage or going to the mailbox or whatever. And I was, I was listening to your show about the, Oh, it was the podcast show that you just did mm -hmm. the, the, your like 
way better. You listen to way more podcasts well, than I do, by the way. I, I was like, he got to like 300 podcasts that he was talking about. And thanks for the shout out to, to Keystroke, by the way. That was pretty nice. No, Keystroke has been, has been great. And that's, I, I think Keystroke is really unique. Hopefully we can get into this a little bit later, but I think what you're doing is really unique um, and gives a lot to the community without, you see, I see, I've seen other roundtable shows that seem to burn themselves out. And I don't think that like the formula you've created, I think just, it's like a party in a podcast. It's uh, it's right. like a lot of fun. So when we, when we first started billing that to guests that we uh, wanted to have on the show, um, I describe it as just a couple of people sitting in a bar drinking beer, talking about books, and they immediately got the idea. They were like, "Yes, let's do that." I'm like, "All right, I'll bring, I'll bring the beer." Yes, cool. So, for anyone not familiar with Josh's work, uh, got a little bio here, and then inevitably, please correct me or add anything that I uh, I don't get right. So, I collected this from various open source internet uh, information sources. So. Um, <laughs> For anyone new to Josh's work, he is the author of three novels, Terra Nova, Bloodlines, and Wings of Redemption, co-written with Richard Fox, with publication in many anthologies, including Chris Kennedy's Four Horsemen universe. Josh served six years in the Air Force before leaving for a second career in law enforcement. He recently left service as a police officer to write full-time, which is a big deal. And since then, his publishing company um, slash podcast slash community, Keystroke Medium, has gone into high gear, uh, producing a massive amount of contact, content from podcasts and events to anthologies. And on top of all that, he's a husband and the father of four young children. Like, what, what's your, how old is your oldest? So I've got a 13-year-old daughter, an 11-year-old son, a 4-year-old daughter, and a 2-year-old son. Yeah, so... Maybe the 13-year-old's running off on her own, but probably not. <laughs> it's actually, you know, it's so I don't have them all at the same time. Uh, the yeah. older two with their mom. Um, but when, like, they're all here this weekend. And so, like, when all four of them are together, it's actually a lot more easier to rally four of them than it is just the little two. Because the 13-year-old oh, yeah. and the 11-year-old can kind of play. I can hand off and do different things. And like, watch your brother. Don't let him go do anything. And so like, it's easier with it. As, as weird as it sounds, it's easier with four than it is with two. <laughs> no, I've heard that. I, when I was on active duty, there was a family that lived below us where the mom had five kids. Husband was downrange. And we we're always like, how do you do this? She's like, oh, they just watch each other. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> they haven't burned yeah, the, you, burn anything down so no you just got to listen to the screams you listen to the screams right. if, if it goes longer for five seconds then then something's wrong if they just go like ah but then it's done then you're mm -hmm. like okay everything, everything's fine they're fine it's it's the octave shift for us right <laughs> exactly. like, oh baby just stabbed himself <laughs> right. So, so did I miss a couple books? Because I think you've also written the Galaxy's Edge universe with Nick Cole, um, and uh, is it Christopher Onspock? I'm I'm messing up his name. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Jason Onspock. Jason Onspock. That's Cole. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that book, it's not out yet. It's oh, uh, Stri okay. uh, Striker's War, which is um, it's a novel in their Galaxy's Edge universe. If you're if you're not familiar, they've they've got. Um, a huge basically franchise that they've created with galaxy's edge um and their 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 nine book series which starts with legionnaire is basically a military sci-fi series um that they basically pin as star wars not star wars and the 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 main uh 
military aspect of that is these legionnaires that are basically stormtroopers, but like kick-ass stormtroopers. Um, and so they've got uh, several spinoffs. One of the spinoff series that they did is called Order of the Centurion, um, and that is a whole um, a whole string of unconnected standalone. Uh, novels that are in the Galaxy's Edge universe, some of them connect or feed into other aspects of the story, like um, uh, mine connects to part of their canon universe in a very small way. Um, but other than that, it's completely unrelated. They did; It's not a co-write. Um, they edited it, um, and they made sure that all the uh, content and and con- uh, continuity was maintained throughout the the series, but it's it's my novel that comes out I think in May. Ray Porter's doing the audiobook right now. Oh, nice! Uh, and so that will come out in May, and then uh, I have a standalone novel um, in my own universe. It's called uh, Edge of Valor, and that I think will be out late May, early June, or mid June. Uh, and that's not connected to anything I've written before. Um, it's a, a project I've been working on for like six years probably. Um, and that's my baby. So we'll, we'll see, like, I'm really nervous about that to come out. Like nowhere near as nervous as all these other projects, but, uh, but yeah, I've done probably eight, uh, eight to 10 short stories. Um, I've done some for Chris Kennedy, like you mentioned, my first three anthologies, I think were done in Nathan Heisted's um, mm-hmm. exploration universe. Um, written a, a superhero one, like a kind of a murder mystery one. Um, just kind of, you know, running the gambit of those things. So that's, I think, as you start to develop your own work, that's the difficult piece of it is if people, it's harder to play, you know, with like doing a lot of different stuff because people start to expect certain things from, um, you know, one, one author, which gets, right, I think, exactly. I think gets hard. Yeah. So, we're recording this on, on March 31st, 2019. I always like to say that so we can kind of pin this in, in time because um, you're at a really interesting place in your career. So you just left um, your career in law enforcement as a police officer, which uh, I think sometimes you know folks will say like, well, I, left, I became a full-time author. It's like, okay, what were you doing? Oh, I was like, an off- not to disparage office managers or something, but it's like, it wasn't necessarily a career that like, is your, is your life, you know, and police, like police officer, soldier, airman, these are, these are things that you might like completely invest your identity in. Right. And so how has that transition been? Is that been, I mean, this is almost like leaving the air force all over again. Yeah. It's, um, it was actually a little easier than leaving the air force. Um, so I I was six years in, in the military, 10 years in law enforcement, a little over 10 years actually. Um, and, uh, it's so I've been doing it. Let's see, it's much later. So I've been doing it a month and a half. Um, and you know, uh, everything at this point, like it's just, it's good. Oh man. <laughs> I tell you, like I, I, I talked to one of my buddies, Nathan Heistead, who's also, he went full-time last year as well. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, I'm having a really hard time making the transition over to being able to be creative all day. And so like, that's my biggest, my biggest hurdle right now is, for years, I was creative for one to two hours a day mm-hmm. um, because it was either before I went to work or after I got home. Um, so for the last year, I would get up at four. I would, um, yeah, 4.30, let's be honest. And then I'd be in front of the computer by like 4.45, 5 o'clock in the morning. And then I'd write till seven and then I'd have to get ready to go to work. So like my body was like, whoop, 
two hours creative, you're done, no more. Mm -hmm. And so now it's extremely difficult for me to push past that, that time. Some days are, are better than others. Um, but I, it's really awesome to be able to look at, like, I, I track my word counts really religiously. Um, and so last year, complete total from January to December, I had 250,000 words written for the year. And as of today, I'm at 195,000. Nice. Uh, so, like, I can see the difference in productivity, even on days where I'm like, I only did like 1,200 words today. But there are other days that I did like 6,500 words. Um, so yeah, it, that I think that is the biggest shift. The, the leaving law enforcement, like I was already at a point in my career where I was done anyway. Um, yeah. and, and the, I think one of the things that people don't talk about is that, um, in, in law enforcement is that you get to a point in your career and I think everybody gets there and, and fluctuates kind of, mm -hmm. but you get a point in your career where you're just done. And you really don't care. Um, and it's, it's kind of a bad thing to say, but like, not, not that you don't care about helping people, but that, you, that the system, you, you get kind of cynical about the system. And that is a real thing. Everybody brings up the whole, like the, the, uh, the cynical old, like cop, like from lethal weapon. He's like, I'm too old for this shit. Right. Well, right. That, I mean, that happens. That's the norm. Like it is not normal for a cop to actually enjoy cop work for his entire career. Um, and so you get to a point where you're just so cynical because you put hours and hours and hours of, of work into a case and then the attorney or city attorney or district attorney says, ah, I don't like that. I don't like the victim in this case. So we're not going to, we're not going to prosecute that. Right. And you're just sitting there looking at them like, okay, we just put like 30 man hours into this case and you don't like the victim. So you're not going to, and then you just walk out and you're like, okay, that's it. That's all we have to do. And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, either charging cops for different things or like charging people for different things, or that's all the sentence they got, uh, the cops didn't do this or, or it, it, nine times out of 10, it's not the cops that are doing it. It's the DA and the prosecutors right. and attorneys. It's all them. Like the cops just make the reports and do the arrests. All the stuff that matters happens in the courtroom. And, and there's no way that we can affect that for the most part. Um, and anyway, I went off on a tangent, I, I, but, but I was, I was ready to leave because there's just it, it, where I was at in my career. I could see, I, I had several days where I was like, yes, I feel really good about helping people, but there were more days where it's just like, I don't want to be here and listen to Bob bitch about Samantha being on his grass again because she was mowing and she stepped onto his property line. And now Bob's calling 911 because she stepped on his property while she's mowing her grass. And that's, 98% of the calls that we got. And so it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the emotional toll is, is real. And I think a lot of folks don't, don't realize that and the, the pressure of being on all the time as well. You know, it's right. Yeah, it was, a, you know, don't get me wrong. It was a great job. Uh, I was in community policing, so I didn't have to make 911 calls all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I was on the, I was on the bomb squad for two years and that was very uh, fulfilling. Uh, the training was amazing. Um, getting going to going out to the middle of nowhere and blowing up like a hundred pounds of C4 in one shot. And you're like, ah, that was the best thing ever. <laughs> like, uh, driving, driving the bomb ro robot around. That was my thing. Like I was, I was the bomb robot driver. Like I'm all about it. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that's the stuff that I miss the most. Well, that's, that's, that's good to hear. That's, it sounds like a good, um, 
a good time to transition as well. And I think recognizing that it was time to transition is important because sometimes people make a transition and then they wish they hadn't or they, you know, it's, yeah. um, I don't know. So that, that's good. That's good. Um, how, one of the things I was really curious about was how you balanced being creative um, when you kind of had that, uh, that car- career type job. And if, you know, there were difficulties with that, if you had to sort of kind of divide your life between the author and um, the police officer. And now, now you just get to be the author. So is that, is that weird? Does that get to be that, that, that creativity piece of it or? Uh, so my, I was always creative. Like I mm-hmm. would, I would, if I, I'm at work and I'm driving around and I get a, a really good idea, I would stop and like make a note on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, or voice dictate something at work or, or whatever. Um, so I'm always creative. Um, now it gets to the point where um, it, it's, it's, so I went from like, it's very weird. You go from being paid whatever dollar amount an hour it is, right? For, so you could either sit in a chair and do nothing or drive around in a cop car and you get paid exactly the same. Right? right. So if I, sometimes if I'd sit in that chair doing nothing, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be creative today and think of an idea that's a good idea and write it down. Um, or I didn't have to do anything. I could just sit there and watch TV and not do anything and still get paid. Right. Mm -hmm. So now like it's, it's hard for me to make that mental transition to where like sometimes it's okay to sit in my chair and not do anything except look at a blank piece of paper and come up with an idea because now I'm so focused on once I'm in the chair, I have to type words or I don't get paid. Right. Uh, and so like my mind is like focused on if, if it is writing time, you should be typing. But I've had a lot of things happen over the last couple of weeks where I'm like, it's okay to not type sometimes. Sometimes I can just sit there and make a note or write free hand, write some notes or, or just kind of come up with different things. So that transition of being able just to sit and allow the creativity to happen is like that that's part that's one of the the probably my second biggest challenge now is because now I'm like in my head I'm like oh you're a full time writer right 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 and then mm-hmm. sometimes I get like burnt out and I'm staring at the screen after a thousand words going I'm not I'm not feeling it today but I know I have six hours left to do and I'm like ah so um, but I think it being full time is great because I I can I can once I get that shot of creativity, like in the morning, uh, before, when I was working before I, there were some days where I just roll and I'm like, yeah, I'm at 5,000 words, blah, 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 blah. And then I have to go to work and then I have to cut it off. I can stop it now for the most part. If I hit a streak, I can just go. Like mm-hmm. I can text my wife and I'm like, I'm not coming up. Like I'm, I'm down. I'm in the middle of this. Keep going. Don't bother me. Uh, and for the most part, she's pretty good about letting that happen. So, um, I can, that part is is immensely helpful where I don't have to look at the clock and go, do I have to be at work today? Do I have to go like do this? I can just sit and do. And just not having the mental strain, I guess, being able to focus solely on. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's one thing, you know, working with Michael Cooper, like he just absolutely gets to live in his, he gets to live in AM14. And I, in writing in AM14, I have to like pull my mind in and out of it, which I find that is difficult for me. Like if I, if to, to work on some something else or um i don't know it's hard to like just stay in the zone on a project yeah but i did want to say like that that burnout is at least i think for the the kind of market we're operating in right now i've i've heard a lot of authors say that that because the market is so hungry 
Like it's, if I'm not writing or if I'm not producing, I'm missing an opportunity. Um, And that's, I think there are people that are definitely burning themselves out. And it's really interesting to actually listen to like interviews from five years ago with people that just aren't even around anymore, you know? Yep. Um, Which kind of makes, is my next question or to talk about um, your show, Keystroke Medium, which really seems like a, like, okay, how do we, how do we try and keep ourselves from getting burned out? And one of those things is to build a team, get people around you who can help you. And with Keystroke Medium, um, which folk, if folks aren't aware, is now a podcast, uh, you've got video uh, content. Basically, you're creating a television network in a lot of ways, right, on, on YouTube. Yep. Um, yep, you've, you've rolled out both an international interview and kind of review uh, category. Um, you've got content for new authors in the writer's journey. Um, the Morning Haze, which has been your morning uh, talk show. And am I missing anything? And then the ongoing just weekly kind of uh, interview slash hangout slash, you know, online parties for folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, for all, this last couple of weeks have been kind of slow for us. We went through kind of a, um, uh, not really a transition, but just kind of a, you know, you have the hills and valleys and we went through a valley for the last week or so, but, and I didn't do any morning hazelwood. I'm very sad about, um, I'm but, sad too. <laughs> um, we, so we have live, which was our, our that was mm-hmm. our launch. That was our, our, our pillar show, uh, the writer's journey, keystroke international, uh, ask the editor. Uh, oh, that's right. Yep. Uh, which I think should be coming out with another show here pretty quick. Um, and then the morning haze, which is not, um, I, I was going to do it three times a week and then I quickly got overwhelmed and had to really cut it back. And then last week I didn't do it at all. Um, and I'm actually thinking about uh, doing it on a different platform, um, doing it on like, it's like Instagram live or Facebook live and not doing it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, just to hit the other social media categories instead of just YouTube. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, it started out as, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure everybody is, who's, if they follow the show, they'll, they'll know the story. It started out as, as Scott Moon and I just talking about writing. Um, we, we're both, we were at the time, both police officers with the same department and we worked in the same bureau. Um, and we learned uh, about our, our, our shared love of writing. Uh, and not only that, but writing science fiction and fantasy and, uh, we would get together <clears throat> every week on our day off and talk about writing, talk about the mm-hmm. books we were writing or reading or whatever. Uh, one day I couldn't do it because I had all four of my kids. I may have been three at the time. Yeah, I was three at the time. Uh, and That's Jordan was. Kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and 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 my and Jordan was still a little tiny. And so I was like, dude, I've got all three. There's no way I'm leaving the house. You just want to talk like on Skype or something. And he was like, Yeah, we can do that. And I, and we got we did that a couple day a couple weeks in a row and I was like we should record it and see if somebody wants to listen to us and so we did and that's how uh, live started mm-hmm. um, and we had Ralph Kern on the show he was our first interview um, and then Nick Cole and uh, Richard Fox and Clark Chamberlain and a whole bunch of people we had on right at the beginning um, and it kind of grew and then every year we looked at what we were doing and what more that we wanted to do what what more content could we bring. And that, and this year, uh, 2019 is just basically our year for contract content. Like we want to put more content out there because like you said, you look at people who were huge, enormous four or five years ago in the indie space. Um, and you know, even two or three or four years ago in the podcasting space where they were just huge and enormous 
milestones where people were like, yeah, we know who they are. Now they're nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Anywhere. You can't, you can't find them. They don't write either that or they, they write and they're not as big as they were. Um, we are not in that space where like, we're like moguls, right? Like we're, we're not hugely, hugely financially successful with our writing where we could just drop everything and go live on a boat. Um, but we're, we're, we're all doing okay. But, um, it's the community that I think builds and sustains everything that you're doing. And, um, that's what we wanted to do. So, and we look at a lot of things are, what can we do for the people that follow us? What can we provide them? That's beneficial educational and we say well what do we need we need motivation sometimes we need inspiration sometimes we want to learn sometimes um but there's some interviews that are strictly just informative like they're not entertaining they're not they're not motivating that they're just this is the information that you get um there's some interviews that are they're entertaining and they're not really you don't get anything we want to be all three of those Mm -hmm. and um so that's our whole focus with keystroke and so we can do a whole bunch of different things um and we started doing anthologies this year, which uh, we've got um, the, the Epic Fantasy Anthology, Kingdoms of uh, Iron and Stone, out right now. And then we're doing um, Horizons Beyond, which is our near future anthology. You have a story in there. Um, and um, that will be, Ellen's working through the story. I think, I think she said she was going to have the stories out to the authors this weekend for edits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure where she's at right now. Um, but then we're going to publish mid-April uh, with that. And then uh, have a uh, space opera anthology and a military science fiction anthology. And the reason we're doing that is because, um, you know, you, you mentioned co-writing and um, co-writing with Richard Fox specifically. And, and we got the, the co-writing uh, contract job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got those um, through the show. Um, so, uh, like a lot of people do shows and podcasts and YouTube shows to make money. They want to be entrepreneurs. They want to do all this. We don't do keystroke to make any money. Uh, every, every cent that keystroke makes, um, we, uh, we try to put back into the company. Um, and Scott and I, our whole outlook is that we don't run keystroke to make money. We run keystroke to provide things for people. Um, because we think that, um, the opportunities that we got through the show, we can get for other people. And mm-hmm. so where we make our money is writing, right? Like, so our collab with Richard Fox, we met him through the show. We built a relationship through the show with him and then became friends off camera and off show. And then we started working with him. Um, we've done the same thing with a couple other people. And um, we did that because he could see the writings that we did in like Nathan Heistead's anthology. Um, he could see that we could complete stories. We worked together on several stories and we could put some stories together. Um, so people know, Oh yeah, these guys work together. They can collaborate. With you. So people come to us all the time. Hey, do you want to write? Do you want to write? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> running yeah. out of time. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think there's, there's two things. I, well, let me go ahead and finish your thought. Uh, well, I was just going to say that uh, the opportunities that we get through Keystroke yeah. to and and collaborate with people is what we we know can happen with other people. I know mm-hmm. for a fact that if you're wanting to go full time, the the opportunities and potential uh, opportunities you can have through being in our community will get you there mm-hmm. if that's something that you want to do. And so that's what we continually try to do all this stuff. No, and I think. Um, <clears throat> kind of two, two things that I've, I've really 
Well, I've known with, as I've watched, you know, indie publishing kind of evolve over, over time, it's becoming more and more just like everybody is their own little traditional publisher, right? And they're, they're eventually just as they kind of up their skills. And one of the dirty little secrets that I had known for a while is that even in, in trad publishing, it's all about who you know. And if you know an editor, you're more likely to get into a, a, you know, if you have, that's how you get an agent is knowing people. Like it's all about the networking and like, yeah, you could write some amazing piece of work, but if you don't know people, it's never going to, it's never going to get on the desk that matters, you know? Right. And so, and so that's why I still see relate whatever, whatever field you're playing in. And I think increasingly it, it's all the same thing, whether, you know, a trad contract lands in your lap or, I mean, and who's to say your, your deal with, um, with Nick Cole and Jason Onspach, that, that is a trad deal. Like they're a publisher. So, right. you know, we might think of it differently based on where they began, but it might as well be a Bane book, you know, when it comes down to it. So, oh, yeah. and yeah. I think five years from now it, it, it will be, you know, as these things continue to evolve. But, but part of that is the churn. And I've noticed this a lot. The market is so hungry and wants so much that as other writers, it's almost, it's not multi-level marketing, but I kind of think of it sometimes that way. Like you, you are now the head of a pyramid and so you need to go out and recruit. <laughs> and eventually Josh Hayes will have his stable of authors um, just like other, you know, but that's, that's part of that leveling up the, cause you have the knowledge and, but you're right. All that begins with the community. And I think we can look at this in a really business focused way, but that's how you burn out. And if you, mm. you know, okay, well, I, how do I increase my product, my product range? Well, I got to make more products. Well, how do I do that? But there, it's a creative product and a creative product, as you've just been talking about, is difficult to continually, you know, generate. Um, right. I don't know. I've seen this a lot, like with, with other, you know, large, as large indie publishers come up, um, they are so hungry for writers. Um, anybody that can produce a story in a, you know, a timely fashion and get it out there, there's so much money to be made. Like, you're not going to get health insurance, but you could, right. you could definitely make a lot of money. Uh, yeah, I mean. I think that's, I think it's, uh, I think it's good and bad because yeah. I, I, you, as a, as a writer, as a new writer, and even now still in 2019, I see so many people, I saw a guy pub, uh, post on Facebook the other day and I don't even know how I know him. Uh, hey, I wrote this uh, 1300 word novel. Uh, it hasn't been edited yet. Is there anybody out there that will read it and give me feedback on it? Uh, thir 1300 page novel. Okay. Holy crap. <clears throat> and like several people were like 1300 pages. Like, no, there's <laughs> absolutely no way. And, and you will yeah. never find a publisher to publish that. And the guy was like, well, it's this story about these friends that graduate college in their life. And I'm like, that's not going to sell mm -hmm. like that. That is not, it's not going to sell anywhere. Um, but, but so you have the authors that, that really don't understand, but then you also have the publishers that are taking advantage of those authors and saying, yes, let's do that. Well, we'll break it into 12 parts and it'll be awesome when it, it right. might not, it might not be awesome. Right. Like, um, and so I think there's, there, it, there are, I, I would encourage authors to, before working with anyone, whether it's a collab or a small pub, or even, you know, look at your traditional publishing deal when you get it and just look at, you know, what are you doing and what are they doing for you? And, um, are they, are they trying to take advantage of you? Because I think mm -hmm. there's a, there are, there's not many, but there are still people out there that are just going to take your book and go, wow, we'll give you 20%. 
and you're like, fantastic, I got published. Um, but your 20% winds up to be like a couple hundred dollars. And they're like, that's the average, you know, that's, that's what authors make. You should be happy that you're making $200. Right. And, and um, that's just not the, I mean, when you look at, in, you know, in the indie space and you look at just how much money is made there, like there are literally people making $250,000 a month indie publishing. And for, for people to, to, to take advantage and say, Oh, you should be glad you're making 500 bucks a month on your book. Like that's good. But if, if you have the potential to make 250 grand, like I think you should know and, and realize that that's not your, that's not the tip of the iceberg or that's just the tip of the iceberg. Well, and, and I think that's why community is so important. And like what you're doing with keystroke is, is really an opportunity to educate people. And like, they don't have to be in the cave working alone and then, not know how anything about how the business works, you know, right. If, right. If a person is willing to listen with their 1300 page novel. Like if they, if they'll listen, they, they could learn probably how to make that a marketable book. Right. You know? Right. Um, that's what I guess is inspiring to me. Like at least right now is if people are willing to listen and, and pay attention, there is so much information, like so much more than there used to be. Oh um, yeah. And it's all free. Right. Yeah. People are still mostly willing to help. You know, it's not like, starting a business where people will like actively try and undercut you or, you know, so right. Yeah. Yeah. I could go on about that, but, um, <laughs> but it always like kind of just burns me when people complain about how supposedly expensive it is to publish a book. And I'm like, have you even tried to get a small business loan where you have to like, you know, put a second mortgage right. in your house to barely get enough right. money? Like, no, this is, there's and so, it's, much, it, so much opportunity. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's the opportunity, but that, you know, you get into, you look at self-publishing and there's people that complain, like you said, I, I don't want to spend a thousand dollars for a cover. I don't want to spend $500 for a cover. I don't want to spend $500 for editing, blah, blah, blah. Like, do you understand that the traditional publishing companies have been doing that for years, mm -hmm. years? They, they, I mean, they, it's not just free. It's like everybody that wants free school, right? Like it's not free. Somebody's got to pay for it. Um, so like, my my all my suggestion to the people that are out there saying I can't or don't want to spend that money on covers, editing, formatting, whatever. That's fine. Don't find a publisher that will. Right. Like whether it's a small publisher or your friend or whatever. And like if your friend is a really good editor, you know, maybe they can work you a deal or you can give them like a little percentage of your book or, or whatever, if that's something that you can work out. But like there's several small presses that are really good small presses um, that will pay for their edits. They'll pay for the cover. Granted, it might not be the cover you want, but they'll, they'll do it. Um, and there's several traditional publishers that will do that as well. And so if you don't have the money to do that, you know, start out submitting to these places and, and, and build up your, your author bank and say you sell, I don't know, say you sell 10 short stories and you've got 1200, $1,300 in the bank and then you want to get your novel edited. All right. Well then now you have $1,500 to edit your novel and, and mm -hmm. self publish that. Like just, it's all steps to, to get to the, the, I think everybody gets caught up in the, I need to publish a novel and that's the end game. Um, and that's where I think a lot of people get hung up on. That's where I think a lot of people that were big a couple of years ago that aren't big now is they got hung up on the, I want to be a published author. They were a published author. They made a lot of money, but now that they're, they're, now they're done because their whole thing was to publish a novel. My whole thing is to write. Right. And so like, I am good writing for free. I'm good writing for like on my 
my, my, if I was still working on my off time, um, I publish a book and then immediately start over and do it again because my fun is the process of creating and writing, um, not publishing. Actually, I, I hate publishing a novel. That is my, that's the worst thing. Like, I don't like, <laughs> I, I don't like formatting. I hate editing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I cover, getting covers is cool, especially if it's working out. Like I've got a couple, a uh, couple of concept covers for my edge of valor series that I'm just absolutely in love with. That's fun. I like writing. I, I don't like editing. And as soon as I send it off, I'm like, oh, thank God. I'm done with that. I'm going to go start the next one now. <laughs> like I, the, 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 in, the in process of the book, I can't stand. Yeah. Now, I think that's a really important distinction that uh, you see. I mean, you see this. I was thinking about the number of writers that will have even, you know, one book and then they can't transition to writing the second book. Like they never actually make that leap to professional you know a professional author produces work consistently right um and that's that's a hard transition for some some folks to make well and it's um you know it's the it's like my theory with tattoos i love tattoos i mm-hmm. hate getting them <laughs> I, I i don't like getting tattoos but i love having a lot of people who are like oh it's the tattoo it's the whole getting it the cathartic experience of the whole no that's stupid. It hurts and I don't like getting them. Um, but I love having them. Uh, but, mm-hmm. and, and so for me, a lot of people like to say they have written, like, this is my book. I have written it. Well, what do you do now? Oh, you know, I've got ideas for a second book and I'm working on it. Oh, why don't you just write it? Like I, my, my work is compounded and I, I have my writing projects that I work on that I actually write on. And then while I'm doing that, I'm planning the next one. Mm-hmm. And so like, you can't, well, you can see here on the people that are listening can't, but I've got like stacks of legal pads that are just like, this is a book and this one's a book and this one's an idea and this one's a short story. And so like I'm writing and then I'm like, Ooh, idea and write it down. So I, the people that are like, I don't know, I don't have an idea for the second novel. I've, I, my entire 2019 is lined with books to write. And I like, I don't have enough time to write them all. <laughs> Let's, let's talk about that process a little bit. So you have an idea, um, is your preferred, uh, you know, method to sit down with that legal pad and how would you start building out that idea to turn it into what's going to become a novel? So it really depends on the project. So if it's a collab, if it's a collaborative work, um, a lot of times I'll have story meetings like Richard and I will have uh, several story meetings during the, during the course of, uh, the time leading up to the time that I write it for, for like, uh, the Terra Nova series. Um, the first Terra Nova book, Richard gave me a 14,000 word outline. And then I extrapolated a 65,000 word novel out of that outline. Uh, for the second book, he gave me a 5,000 word outline or an 8,000 word. And I, I created like a, I don't know, it's like 74,000. And then the third book, he gave me like 3,000 words and I did like 84,000 words. So like, (laughs) you know, just like, there's a pattern here. Yeah. here and then uh, so now we're on the fourth book now and I don't even remember what the outline was probably like to uh, probably 35 3500 words um, I'm at like 47,000 and I'm at a little under halfway it's probably going to be about a hundred thousand words um, mm-hmm. because we took it from a five book series to a four book series because we realized as we were planning the fourth book the fourth book quickly became a filler and we didn't want to have a filler book 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that we cut out that was just kind of like, oh, it'd be cool to go off and do this. But we're like, does that actually matter to the story? And can we can we do away with that? So um, the, the fourth book is basically going to be um, the the capstone of the series. And there's a lot of things that have to happen. And so like it's it's a really long book. But so for 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 my process, if I'm starting a new project. And when I'm planning, I like to write everything down uh, mm-hmm. on whether it's a legal pad or a notebook. Um, typically, I use, if it's a new idea, I'll start a brand new notebook, whether or not I have notebook paper somewhere else or not. <laughs> I just like having a new, new thing. Um, and so for like Edge of Valor 2, um, Echoes of Valor, I have a, a notebook for it. It's not a legal pad. Um, and I will put all of my notes for that book in that notebook. But for me, I feel like when I handwrite it, it doesn't become real yet. When I'm handwriting, it's it it's just ideas. I don't have to work around them. I don't have to do them. It's just ideas, and um, I can fill that entire notebook up and then throw it away if I want. Um, once I start writing on the computer, that's canon and it has to be there. Like it can't, <laughs> uh, which is not actually true. I, I change a lot of stuff that I write, but um, I can. I can plan and I'm, I'm kind of a nonlinear thinker. Um, so when I'm thinking of things, like I'll be halfway through an idea and I'm like, Oh, that would work. Oh, an idea that I had the other day. I'll write that down. And it like, just like jump all over the place when I'm writing. And I, it's much easier for me to do that on, on paper with pen and paper than it is on the computer. Um, and so I'll spend weeks in a notebook, um, planning it out. And then once I have the entire story in my head planned out and, and that I understand it, then I'll outline it. Um, I'll outline it. I write in Scrivener for the most part. Um, and I'll outline it in one document and then I'll take that document and break it down into scenes, individual scenes in Scrivener. Uh, and then when it's time to write, I'll open up a brand new, like you can split screen in Scrivener. And so I'll open a brand new doc and then I have the, um, outline over here and then I'm just like page one chapter one go and then I'll just start writing and I'll, I'll read <laughs> off the outline and just start writing um, sometimes I get to a point where I'm like I don't like how that how I introed that scene or sometimes I might not even have an intro to the scene and then I get stuck and I'm sitting there for like half an hour going how do I start this scene and then I'll figure it out and then I'll go um, but that's that's pretty much how I operate for the most part um, so let's, let's dig into how you even outline so is each each scene like how long are you going to do like maybe uh, three or four sentences is that a full page um and then are you trying to hit you know specific things like you you mentioned the intro in the scene like the transition point maybe the end or whatever like how do you how do you approach that for the actual nuts and bolts of the outline uh so it depends on it depends on the scene really Uh, if it's a complex um i my strengths are character and dialogue um, I also do some pretty good action scenes. I've, I've got some really uh, good feedback about like battle scenes or, or fighting scenes. We're not like hand to hand, but I do a lot of mill sci-fi. So it's a lot of like shooting and rockets and explosions and stuff. And I've got a lot of good feedback on that. Um, but, but yeah, but exactly. Um, but my, uh, the thing I love to do is dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel myself becoming like a Quentin Tarantino-esque, like dialogue-driven narrative type. Um, and so in those scenes that I know are going to be very dialogue-heavy, my outline for that will, could, could be almost the whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so sometimes it would be like, I'll, if I know one character's got this point of view and another character's got this point of view, I'll write in, this person doesn't want this to happen and here's why. And then the other person, this person does want to have happen and this is why. And so when I'm building the dialogue between the two, I always have in my head, what does this character want to get out of this interaction? Um, because what I quickly noticed right at the beginning of my career is that I was, when I was creating dialogue, I was forcing it to, to, I was creating dialogue to force the plot along, but it wasn't natural dialogue. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. I was making sure that what I wanted happen, to have happen in the book, I would force the characters to make it happen um, instead of allowing them to naturally do it. And um, so what I'll do is, is write some of the dialogue. Sometimes I'll voice, voice dictate. I do kind of a hybrid. Um, I don't do like a lot of people will dictate and go open quote. He said this close quote comma said, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't do that. I, I think that's ridiculous. I'll, I'll type the quotation mark and then say the dialogue and then do the punctuation on the keyboard and then go, he said, or whatever. Um, and I think that way it flows a lot more, uh, a lot smoother than sometimes writing it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the dialogue scenes are really heavily outlined. The other ones that are like, if I've got a car chase, and I'm like, they have a car chase and they have to end here. And that's my whole outline. And so like the whole day will be like, oh, rockets and guns and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, but sometimes those complex, those battle scenes. So for like Edge of Valor, uh, which is my first standalone mill sci-fi uh, book, some of those battle scenes, they couldn't just be battle scenes. They, it's like really specific things had to happen in those scenes to make the book work. Um, and so I really had to be, cognizant about what happened in those scenes because some of the characters um so in that book it's uh, it's a it's a mill sci-fi book it's also kind of an investigation one of the beta readers that that uh, gave me some feedback on it um basically said it was tom clancy in space and the jack uh-huh. ryan series uh type clancy work um and so the main book is done through jackson fisher who in in that character is a third person pov um then he interviews these survivors of this mission that failed and those povs are done in first person but they're also unreliable mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me and so a lot of the ins- a lot of the scenes that happen actually do happen but their interpretation and their telling of them might not be accurate so it was very i had to know like what happens in these scenes so that when I write it over here and this person's lying, I know that they're lying while I'm writing it. Um, and then when I go back to tell the truth, I can say, I can put in what actually happened. And, and um, so in that, in those instances on those scenes, I had to be really a lot more detailed in the planning of them. Uh, so that was a very long answer to say, sometimes it, it sometimes <laughs> if the scene really, really matters, then I'll, I'll outline that extensively if it doesn't matter then i'll just say "Eh, they do something here and they need to go off and have an adventure well it sounds like you're really thinking about conflict and character motivation and so like you know a car chase inherently has conflict in it but a dialogue maybe doesn't and i think that's a difficult thing you know yeah when you're first starting out like how how can i do multiple things with dialogue so that not only am i building character but i'm also why are they doing this and what do they want and how is this moving forward you know 
I always struggle with outlining. So that's something I'm really always interested to hear how, how folks do that for different ways to, to, to find that balance between, okay, I got the story out. Now am I done with it versus how do I kind of give myself little, you know, tidbits. So I keep, I want to find out what happens. So I keep, you know, keep going. Yeah. And I think like, so I, I started doing a, um, a process that I call snowflaking the outline, which is, mm-hmm. um, if you ever heard of the snowflake method, it's, it's basically you write, let's just take one scene. You have a scene, you write one sentence. This is what the scene's going to be about. And then you write a paragraph flushing out that sentence of what the, the scene's going to be about. And then you do a page and you're just, every time you're adding to the sentence and, and, and making it bigger. And then by the time you get to the end, you have four or five pages of a scene and now you've snowflaked that it's grown mm-hmm. out from the, the, from the center. Um, and I basically do the same thing on my outlines. Like uh, I will, I will do the complete outline from beginning to end. So I know the scenes that have to happen and then I will snowflake out from that. So if I get to a point where something in the, something in the outline needs to happen, but I haven't built that up, I can go back and add that scene somewhere else or add that to a scene somewhere uh, prior so that it makes sense when it gets to that point. Um, And so I, I never really have any hangups in the, drafting process where I get to a point I'm like I have not set this part up at all how am I going to do that like and then I have to go back and fix you know four or five thousand words in a novel where in the outlining phase I could find those problems very easily and it takes 20 words to fix it do this here and then when I'm drafting I could go and fix it yeah I have become a big fan of outlining I it's funny when you first start and I, I get pantsing, I get why people might do that as far as, you know, just not knowing where they want to go and writing, you know, into the dark or whatever. But I, I like to know where I'm going. <laughs> and, right. and also it helps me write quickly. Like I can't meet a deadline yeah. if I have no idea where the story's going. So, yeah. um, it's so it sounds like having these various outlines enable, makes it easier for you to sort of juggle concurrent projects. And yep. because that's something I was really curious to hear about, like how you, can keep different projects straight in your mind and maybe because it sounds like, are you doing some things that aren't science fiction and fantasy or is? Yeah. So like I've got, um, uh, I've got a ghostwriting project that I obviously for reasons can't talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, but in general sense, I've got a ghostwriting project and that project is, is what precipitated my going full time. Um, and that is not a science fiction or fantasy. It's a basically it's a, a present day type thriller type book. Right. Um, and um, so what I do is at the beginning of the day, when I get up, I get up probably still around four thirty-five. I come downstairs and I work and, and that is my ghostwriting time. I'll mm-hmm. sit down and I'll write out that ghostwrite uh, 2000 words or whatever. Uh, and then I'll take a break, go have breakfast, do stuff with the kids Um three days a week I've got babysitting. So on those days are my big writing days. Uh, I'll come downstairs and I'll work on either work some more on the ghost writing project or work some on, on Terra Nova four, um, which is what I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but because those are so different, it's easy for me to jump back and forth because one is present day thriller. One is like really far future space opera ish, military sci-fi ish. Um, and I know the characters for Terranova very well, but they're both outlined. So uh-huh. I, I get down and they're both they're their own separate Scrivener files and I open them up and I can look and go and they're all, and I color code <laughs> like a lot. Of, I've showed people my, my Scrivener file and they're like, Oh, I have a seizure. Cause it's, <laughs> It's, it's color coded, but I'll, what I'll do is, is I'll have all my POP, my POVs color coded with a different color. And so I can look at the entire outline of draft and go, 
Okay, Carson, Hale's there, Max there, uh, Elias is there. In the outline, I need to move this around because I have too many Hales in one spot. And, and mm-hmm. so I can look at it and say, okay, I'm good. Uh, I know where I'm at. Start writing because I've already done all that work before. I've already worked out the story. Now all I just need to do is, so it's like telling yourself the story before you're showing the reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll just sit down and go, ah, Marie needs to have a fighter battle now. All right, let's do that. Marie has a fighter battle and I'll do that. Uh, same thing with the ghostwrite project. The ghostwrite project has is outlined. Um, and I know where I'm at with it. I know what has to happen. Uh, some scenes are, are more outlined better than others. So a couple days, like there's been a lot of days this month where I'm like, Oh God, I don't know how to do this. And I'm like banging my fist against my face, trying to make it work. Um, but that, that is a lot of people say they can't bounce between projects because they're, they, they just can't effectively make that mental change. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can sit down and um, like I'm, I'm outlining a short story with KCSL right now that has nothing to do with anything that I'm working on um, at all. I'm outlining and planning uh, my sequel to Edge of Valor right now in a notebook. Um, I've got an idea. If I, I've been approached for a, a collab next year. Um, that's uh, kind of a standalone novel that I'm kind of excited about. And I'm, so I'm, I'm having some ideas for that. I'm not actually planning it or, or outlining or anything. I'm just kind of, oh, that would be fun to do. Um, mm-hmm. But my, my brain is just like, it's scary. Like there's constantly just churning and, and going um, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. It's just, so um, it's, for me, it's super easy to bounce back and forth. Um, and like I can look this month, um, this month, my, my monthly total for this month is 73,600 words. And I split those counts between my ghost writing and my, uh, my writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for this month, I've, it's actually kind of really lopsided. So for this month, I've got 42,000 words done on my ghost writing and 31,000 done on my, my words, um, which is less than I wanted, but still way more than I could have got if I wasn't full time. Um, and so that's being able to split it between breakfast and, and, and kind of a work on the treadmill. Sometimes I, I built myself a little, uh, tray, uh-huh. I guess you could, call it. I could put my laptop on and like walk on the treadmill and, and type on the treadmill. And I did that last week and it worked really well. I got the jitters really bad the other day and I was like, oh, I can't sit down and write. I gotta, I gotta go do something, you know, <laughs> but I had to get these words done. So I was, I was like, Oh, I'll just, I, I, I had all this. You should see my wife's face. I had all this like two by four and plank wood and a drill and a saw. And she was like, what are you doing? Like, I'm going to go build a thing on the treadmill so I can walk. Cause I got the jitters and I need to write. And she was like, you're ridiculous and you need to stop what you're doing right now. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I gotta go. <laughs> I just got a treadmill desk and uh, like the price finally came down at Amazon to like my comfort level. And yeah, the thing is I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out like how to, you know, make all that work. But <laughs> I've, I at least have the idea of being healthy while writing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I need to, I got, I, I always look at, you know, how am I going to earn back that money I spent on, on that thing? So like I need to put in the hours to earn back that what I spent. Um, so one of the things I was curious about is what your, so obviously maybe I'm projecting, but sometimes when you have careers that I think of as like serious business, you know, being in the military, being um, a police officer, um, you probably have some, some ideas or things you would like to explore or talk about in your work or, you know, and I think that, 
again, goes to your professionalism where if you're doing contract work, that doesn't mean I can, you know, insert five pages of how I feel about X. Um, right. But are there, are there certain things that are important to you to get into um, your work, like certain archetypal characters or maybe themes, you know, things that if we, when you do, as you do transition into, a, you know, what is a Josh Hayes book? Um, are we going to be able to see those breadcrumbs back through the other work? Um, or are you consciously trying not to do that? So um, in the ghostwriting project, no, uh, mm-hmm. I, I have done a couple things that uh, I, I put a couple one-liners in there that I thought were, <laughs> I wonder, nobody's going to get it because nobody knows uh-huh. who's writing the book. Right. So I'm like, I don't know. So I'm just going to put that in there. Um, but no, on, on the, on the ghostwriting stuff, I don't really do any of that. The Terra Nova stuff. Um, I don't really as much because I, uh, I look at those books as like, uh, uh, I want to pick those up and just get a, a pure entertainment, like fun mm-hmm. deal going on. Uh, I say like a B sci-fi movie, but that's not right either. Right. Um, it's like a Michael Bay movie. You go to a Michael Bay movie and there's a whole bunch of explosions and you're like, Oh, this is so much fun. And you leave and you're like, Oh, that was fun. But it doesn't really change your life. It doesn't affect mm-hmm. how you think about things. It's not, it's not like, um, it's not like watching saving private Ryan. When you walk out of saving private Ryan, and you're like, Holy crap. <laughs> like, um, so, and uh, please don't misunderstand. I'm not comparing my work to Saving Private Ryan. That's not, like, not on the same level. Um, but with, uh, with my work, there are some, some, um, some topics that I'm passionate about and things that I want to do. Um, and not, I, I'm not preaching. I'm not, um, I'm not saying this is something that I want people to look at. It's just something that I feel personal about. Um, you know, one of the things is law enforcement and, um, uh, military and you know all those different things that that people are really passionate about um the second amendment that that type of stuff and so um in the edge of valor uh the 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 universe as a whole there is a a really big and i don't want to give it away because i um it's not like a haha gotcha type thing but it's a it's something that is is really very personal to a lot of people on both sides of the aisle. And I wanted to explore what happens when you go so far in one direction that there might not be able to, you you might not be able to come back from. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, when the series is closer to being done, I'd like to talk about that and like have an open discussion about it. Um, But I don't want to like, lay it out on the table and have people go into my books looking for it because I don't want, I don't want them to see, Oh, this is what he's doing. Um, I want them to, to have their own thoughts about it as they're going through it. And that's the thing is um, I have a very personal feeling about it, um, but I don't put that into the book and I explore both aspects of why it's good and why it's bad. And I want the characters and the people to make their own decisions about it. But I also, there's a lot of people that, that go into whatever topic it is and they're so far on one side of the topic, they cannot see at all any logical reason why you would be opposed to that other side. They, they, they will not have a discussion about it at all. Um, I'm, I'm not like that. I have my own personal views, um, but I am willing and open to have a conversation about whatever you want to talk about. Um, just don't come at me like I'm wrong because of my point of view. And so that's what I like to do in fiction. And I, and I, and I like, there's some fiction that you get that is, is very preachy. I hate that type of fiction. Um, I like being able to read a book and like, Oh, I see what he's doing there. Interesting. 
Very good. Mm-hmm. That's what, and that's what I've wanted to do with, with my series. You won't get a lot of that in the first book and you won't probably see it until like the second or third book. Um, because I'm very, I'm being very, uh, systematic and very cognizant of introducing what I wanted to talk about in the series. And so hopefully by, by the third book, you'll see what I'm talking about. And then as, um, as the series progresses, we'll see kind of, um, a more, a dramatic kind of heads on approach to how we're going to solve these issues now. So mm-hmm. uh, I, sorry, that was a long drawn out, like vague booking answer of, uh, <laughs> well, no, I can, th- I can see, you know, one of the things that I, I see police officers do a lot is like, you do have to listen to a lot. You have to balance different, you know, sides of the equation. You have to really give everybody they're willing to, you know, they're, you have to let them speak, you know, and hear what they're saying. And I could see that, um, really giving you some skills to be able to explore um, different, different viewpoints in a, in a balanced way. So, right. yeah. So let's see, what else did I want to ask about? Um, I have this huge list and we've kind of jumped around a little bit, which is um, good. Um, no, no, no. It's, that's, that's me. I would, I would much rather kind of follow as, um, as you're speaking than try and again, I guess it's like the plot, right? If we try and force an interview, I, I kind of hate that. I hate awkward questions. Um, right. Oh, here's this thing that I just wanted to jump to, and I don't care what you just said, right? That drives me crazy. Um, that's my podcast pet peeve. Um, I uh, no, and I, I completely understand what you're talking about. You have this great. I there, there's some shows that I've listened to or watched where you have this great conversation, and and they go, "Well, that's great." So, what do you think about the color purple? And you're like, "How does that even uh, like relate to what you guys were talking about?" That's what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I know that was just on my list of things that I ask everybody. Right. Um, <laughs> one of the things I, I did want to ask about, and I think this goes back to keystroke, um, to keystroke is building, building a team. And that seems like something that has come naturally to you. Um, again, like building a team around, maybe not just around you and Scott or even around everybody to support the work to, um, and even being part of other teams, like with these ghostwriting and co-writing. Um, how do you feel about that? Like, cause obviously you're not a person who wants to, well, maybe you've built a cave, so maybe you do want to spend all your time in your cave. Um, but do you see that as something that makes your work uh, stronger? Do you enjoy it? Uh, do you get energy from it? Absolutely, I do. Yeah. And um, you can ask, so I'm part of a writing collective, and the collective's actually changed a lot in the last four years. Um, three years, I think we've, yeah, three or four years. Um, when we first started out, um, Ralph Kern, Nathan, um, Heisted. Heisted. Oh, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was, I was getting ready to say Nathan Campbell, but that's not right. It was Robert Campbell and Nathan Heisted. Yeah, uh. Sorry, Nathan. Um, and Rob Campbell, he's, he's gone off and kind of done his own thing now, but, um, but now we have a couple other people in it. Um, but I said back in 2015, when we first started all this stuff and we started a couple other things and with the explorations anthologies, I was all about collective it's it's going to be a group like if we're going to do anything it's going to be as a group um and so that is how i've approached keystroke and that's how i've approached my writing um is the the community makes it stronger and like a lot of people say rising tide lifts all boats and yes that is true um but a lot of people don't actually understand what that means it doesn't mean that everybody's going to make a million dollars um but it does mean that we can work together and help each other to do different things and it's not one person filling up the 
the ocean with his water and then everybody's floating to the top. Everybody is doing something that helps. Um, and so with keystroke, uh, building the, we had Lauren was the first person, uh, the first person that was really kind of, um, uh, Ralph was our first guest host, but Lauren kind of came in and, and did a whole bunch of behind the scenes work where she was doing some story work, uh, or some, some show notes. Um, she was, we were actually going to write a nonfiction book that, that ended up the project stalled out a little bit and we didn't, we didn't, uh, do a whole lot more work on it, even though we're kicking around the idea again. Uh, but she had a lot of good, um, input that she brought. And, um, so she wanted to, I said, Hey, if you guys want to do your own thing, let's do it. And she was like, mm-hmm. I have these ideas for this and this. And I'm like, let's do it. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so her and Lauren or her and Kayleen now do the, the writer's journey and they do a phenomenal job. Um, I, uh, the, the reason that Ralph couldn't be on the show a lot is because he does a lot of shift work. Um, mm-hmm. and he's also in the UK. And so the time difference there is just, it messes with him. And so I talked with him and, uh, um, uh, John Evans and Devin mm-hmm. C Ford, who are all over in, uh, Britain, UK, whatever you want to say. Um, and so, they wanted to contribute more, but also the timing. And so I said, why don't you guys just do a non-live show? Come up with something, do whatever you want. Let's talk about it. Cause I'm sure there's going to be people that want to talk about what you guys want to talk about. And they're like, yeah, great. So they went and did that. Um, you know, and so now we have all these different things where people have things to say. And I know that if I think a thought, somebody else has thought it. Like I'm not the only one that's, that's had this thought. And so I know that when I have something that I want to talk about, somebody else wants to talk about it too. And so like, I'm just saying, well, you guys have an idea, you run with it. And let's, because there's people out there that are thinking these things that may not be able to vocalize them. They don't know how to talk about it. They don't have the community to talk about it. So let's put it out there and let's talk about these things and let's have all these people like just keystroke is not just me talking to a whole bunch of people. I like having this conversation with people. Um, that's why I like doing the live shows and doing the live chat and, and hanging out with them. And, um, I think that everybody kind of having a, a shared experience like that is a lot more satisfying to me than, um, me sitting by myself in front of my computer, writing a book that made a million dollars. I would rather make, fifty thousand dollars a year and have a whole bunch of people that I can hang out with and be friends with and we can go back and forth with you can do this or I can do that or you can do this and be have everybody be successful than me make a million dollars on the backs of a whole bunch of other people. And the cool thing about it is like Steve's part of the show now. He does fantastic typography. Um, he does fantastic formatting. Him and uh, Rep Bruno, they own uh, Athon Books. So I was oh. able to get in, uh, get in with them really easily, really quickly uh, because I was friends with them already. They got me a really, really good uh, audio deal through Audio Studios um, that I wouldn't have been able to get on my own. Um, uh, Lauren has now got a, a collaborative, a collaborative project that she's working on. I can't talk about, but, um, it's going to be really, really good for her. Um, Kayleen has started to do, um, 
uh, not editing, but like kind of like content work where she's like reading your story and going, Hey, this is great, but your character didn't do this here. And maybe it could have done here, like really kind of developmental work where she's really good at, um, Ellen, who's busy as all get out anyway, has been able to do the, ask the editor show. She wants to, to give back and she wants to provide for other people. And so, uh, we've given her a platform for that and now she, she's bringing authors for that. And so like all these people that have things that they want to say or things that they want to do that they may or may not have been able to necessarily do on their own, they can do through keystroke and, mm-hmm. and they can build their own uh, experience through keystroke. And it's just the, the amount of, and we've had several authors that have might not have met each other, except through keystroke that are now collaborating with each other. Like, um, uh, Drew Avery and Rick, um, Partlow, uh, Partlow yeah. are working together. And I don't know that if they had met before keystroke, I know that I didn't know them until keystroke. Um, so I can't make a claim to fame that they collabed because of keystroke, but there are several authors that I know for a fact that have hooked up because of keystroke and like, that is, I don't want anything from it. I'd like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not using that to, to build keystroke at all. Like I don't get any money from it. I don't want any money from it, but I think it's so cool that people come into a community and they hang out just for their shared love of writing. Um, and then they can take away from that something to help build their career and, and help grow them as an author. And that is like the, the whole point of keystroke and, and building that community. And I think that's a pretty amazing thing, honestly. <laughs> um, I know as, as you, as Keystroke has grown, have you um, had to make kind of specific decisions around what this community is going to be like or who are we going to welcome into it? Um, I, I have seen, you know, a few times it looked like you had to maybe shut some folks down that had very prescriptive ideas, at least in the Facebook group. Um, do you, as a, as a group, do you have kind of a, a set of ideas or, guy, or goals that you want to, um, keep alive within the group? So um, I, the only thing that I can think of is uh, that, that you're mentioning is um, we had a, wasn't even a blowout because she left before it became a blowout, but it was a big thing about the, this Chinese author that uh, they got shut down uh, through traditional publishing because of this uh, huge uh, social outrage about her book. And um, to answer your question first, there, there I do not, I do not have a set thing that I want keystroke to be. Um, keystroke is whatever it is, right? Um, I don't want anybody of any particular thought or process to, to feel like they cannot come into keystroke and gain something out of it. Um, I have my own personal values and thoughts. Scott has his own. Chuck has his own. Like all the hosts have their own. All the guests have their own. Um, and it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like work, right? There are people at work that you don't like, but you get along with them and you do work anyway. Like, I, I feel like if there's anything like that in keystroke, even if I don't like someone, like they're not affecting the group. So, okay. They want to be productive in the group. Okay. I don't agree with your political background. I don't agree with your personal life, but, um, you are building up the group in a certain way. So that's fantastic to me. Um, I'm able to separate that out. Yeah. The, when, I, when I can't separate that out is when people start attacking other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have your own political beliefs. You can have your own personal beliefs. You can have your own religious beliefs. I don't care. 
when you come into the group and you attack people for that, um, I don't abide by that at all. And I shut that down pretty quick. And what happened with that is uh, that that specific instance you're talking about, um, she actually left. I didn't kick her out. Um, she actually was like, I'm done with this group. I can't have a conversation and left and then blocked me and then blocked a couple other people from the group. And the only we, the thing we had done is present a different side to what she was saying. And uh, I am all about having conversations with people. I love right. having conversations with people. But when, like I said before, if you come into it um, and you are completely against the other side and you won't even listen to what we have to say, I don't have any time for that. And so I think that keystroke is not, I mean, there's some uh, groups that are like, we don't do politics here. Like it's whatever, like have a conversation about politics, but don't, don't let it become this thing where you're now hating each other because of politics. Like I, that sucks. Like I can't stand that stuff. Uh, But if you can agree to disagree, if you can, Democrats are right about some things. Republicans are right about some things. Democrats are wrong about some things. Republicans are right. I'm like, that's where I'm at. Like, Mm -hmm. but if you can't have that mature discussion, don't bring it. Like, don't even bring it here. Um, But no, I, I, you, Keystroke welcomes anyone, anyone from any walk of life, any, any level that you're at writing wise, if you're just starting out or you're freaking David Weber, who's been on the show several times, um, come and hang out and just experience their group. Like it's a small group. It's not like 20 books to 50 K has like 30,000, 30,000 people people now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have like 500, um, uh, but you look at the engagement, like we, our engagement is such that you come into the group and you can engage. And the thing is, I want people to come into the group and engage for the whole community. I don't want people to come into the group and go read my book. Right. What do you guys think about this? Like, I hate that stuff. Don't, don't do that. Come into the group and engage with the group and be a part of a writing group instead of coming in. I go everything with keystroke and everything that I do. I go in with the mindset of what can I do for someone else? What can I do for you? Not what can you do for me? And so if you can come into keystroke and go, what can I do for you and you and you and you and you, you're going to get way more out of the group than if you come to keystroke and go, what you guys are all here, what can you do for me to build my career? Don't do that. Right. And I think for you know folks who are not, have not checked out the Facebook group. I mean, it, it is a really active community with, um, and it is still small. Like I quite honestly, am surprised you don't, there aren't more people there. I don't know if you, you know, that, and seeing the way other groups have changed, like I think 500 is a really good place to be because you still yeah. know people. Um, it's not overwhelmed. Um, like I, the funny, the thing I was thinking of, like I, I actually, the nature of Facebook, I didn't even catch this, the, that other conversation you're talking about. There was, this might've been oh. last, last <laughs> year. There was a, there was some, I think you're just, maybe it might've been Scott had just asked a general question. Like, how do you find, define science fiction? Like it was just a conversation starter. And somebody jumped in with like, I have a degree in science fiction and tried to get oh, really, yeah, yeah. like, I do remember that post. Yeah. 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 And that one was just yeah. like, really? Like you're completely missing the point of this conversation. And even if you are an expert, let's hear what other people are thinking, you know, but I don't know. That, that was the thing. That was one of the only times I've ever seen it was like, nah, you're out. <laughs> right. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's that I do remember that conversation now that you mentioned it. And I, and I do remember um, that guy was just had his, he, he could, he could not see past his own idea, you know, uh-huh. and he was shutting other people down and saying, no, that's not, that's not true. You can't do that. And I'm like, 
what you're talking you're like you're you're coming to this science fiction group and saying you can it's science fiction it does it's not real that's what the, the biggest thing i hate about people that read science fiction like you can't do that in science fiction like it's not real nothing of what you're really doing is real like yeah and and hey yeah he came to their group and he was like this is this and there are rules and you can't do that and blah 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 and i'm like you're wrong there are no rules you can do whatever you want and i might not like what you're doing but that doesn't mean that it's wrong because somebody else might like it uh but yeah i do remember that now and we don't, <laughs> we don't get that a lot because i think um like as you said it's small um mm. I, I, there are only a few people that post in keystroke that i'm like who's that um, when, when, and we have an open post, like you don't have to get admin approval to post. You can just post whatever you want. Um, uh, 9.5 out of 10 posts that I see get posted in, in, in the group. I'm like, Oh, I know that. I know that person. And I think it's cool. Like I'm, I'm the guy that like, that's awesome. Or, or I'm like, Hey, uh, Rick Partlow is watching today or con- consistently Christy on Facebook is watching today. Or, or, you know, like I know there's people, there's only one person that watches the live feed all the time that I don't know who they are. And I don't know if that's on purpose because I've never been able to figure out who they are. Uh-huh. Uh, and that, uh, that's Corvo. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out who Corvo is because Corvo is coming. He comes to the show all the time and he's watched it for three seasons. But oh, I can't wow. figure I can't figure out who he is. But he's always there. He's always watching hilarious in the live <laughs> chat. But I don't know who he is in real life, and so I don't know if that's like that's if that's true or if like I don't, if if uh, if he's actually like like if he has a for real persona or if he just is on YouTube and he that's what he does on YouTube. But he's hilarious. Um, but but everybody that comes to the show that's in the live chat or posts like in the group, I like knowing that I know who these people are and and hang out mm-hmm. with them. I can them friends and um like you said there are groups out there that have that are so massive that you just there's no way there's no way that you could know all the people in that group because there's just so many people and you also find yourself wondering like are these people posting just to be self-promotional or they actually want to contribute or um right one one thing i want to say about the live show is that i i hardly ever just because of timing i can't watch it live but i do love being able to listen to um like in fact, I'll off, I sometimes like use YouTube to down <clears throat> download the live, and then that way I can listen to it before you guys publish it. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, so, nice. I to, so I don't have to wait. Um, but yeah, I, I still, even though I don't get to check in live, I still enjoy listening to it. Um, you know, on my own schedule. So, okay. So one, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is as we you know talk about building community and all of these these plans you've been um, you know putting into into action. What are your, you know, if you ever read, I think the book was actually called Big Hairy Audacious Goals. Like, what are your, what are you in five years from now, when you look back, like, what is, what are the two things that you hope that you have really accomplished um, as you transition in your career right now? Or, or should we say three things? Is three things really putting you on the spot? No, no, it's, uh, it's, I saw, I, I've been looking at that. I've had your little spreadsheet open or sheet open this whole interview. And I've been looking at that question the whole time, the whole time we've been talking, going, don't ask that question. Don't ask that question. <laughs> ask that question. Um, no, but I, I, um, it's, 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 um, it's a good question. And I think that when you, when you talk to any author, that's not full-time and you say, what's your goal? I want to be a full-time author. Um, or, or maybe not, but most of the time, I think you can talk to, to to people that we know in our circles and go, yeah, I want to be a full time author. Um, so I've I've made that goal. I made that goal this year, and um, I didn't kind of happened. Um, uh, all the stars kind of lined up, and everything happened like right exactly at the right time for it to go. If it had to been 
one of the things that happened wouldn't have been able to do it, but everything happened at the same time to allow it to happen. So it did. So I'm very fortunate that way. Uh, now going forward, I've kind of had to reassess like, what are my goals and what do I want? Like, uh, financially speaking, my goal is to make a certain number. Um, uh, once I make that number, that will be a success to me. Um, uh, and that is not, it's not as big as a number as you think. <laughs> uh, a lot of people are like, I want to make a million dollars writing. I don't, <laughs> like, it'd be great. Like that, you know, like George R. Martin says, they, they, drive up a dump truck full of money and drop it on my driveway. <laughs> and like, I'd be okay with that. Um, but if it doesn't happen, that's not going to deter me from what I'm doing. Um, so I, I think one of my goals is to, um, to, I, I like co collaborating and I've had great success in, in collaborating. And the goal that I have, one of the goals I have this year is to, to be as successful with my standalone work that I, as I am with my collaborative work. Um, and so the edge of valor, it will come out in, uh, June, I think. Um, so I am hopeful and, and, uh, I think that I love the book. Everybody that's read it thinks it's a really good book. Um, I I'm hopeful that I can have the same impact with that book that I have, have had, uh, with my collaborative stuff. Uh, uh, and that people don't hate it <laughs> and they're like, this guy's a hack. Um, so uh, that is one of my goals is to see mm -hmm. that that book comes out. I, I, I had a, a series called Second Star that was out for a while. I've, I've unpublished it now because it's not finished uh, and I'm not satisfied with how the books uh, turned out. Um, that project uh, started out uh, as a kind of like a, uh, uh, a wool type project or Pennsylvania type project where they were going to do five short novellas and then publish them as an omnibus, but it didn't work out that way at all. And um, so I have that that project has been that was my own standalone stuff is now taken down so everything that you see on amazon now is either a collaborative novel or a short story and so now when i bring edge of valor back that's going to be my only deal there and so i want that to be successful um but i also i want to see keystroke i want to see this whole um thing start as a uh to, I, I want to be able to see people collaborate on a level where I have been mm -hmm. um, through keystroke. Like I want, I want to see that stuff happen. It is happening. Um, and I've got a couple other collaborative projects that one that I'm actually not going to be able to do um, that would be hugely financially beneficial to me. Um, but I'm not going to be able to do it. Unfortunately. Um, another one that I got, uh, uh, invited to won't happen until next year, but the, the, the potential, uh, benefits for that are like movie deals and agents and foreign rights and just all these other things that are just hugely like beneficial things, maybe not in an upfront financial way, but, um, I think just to keep doing what I'm doing, like mm -hmm. that's my, that's my big, biggest goal for this year is to, to be able to financially hit that goal that I want. And then just to be able to continue to do what I'm doing. Um, and, and to be able to do that with, uh, on my own and not based on all the collaborations. Like I love doing collaborations. I think those are great. Um, but, uh, this year I want to, I want to kind of go with the, can Josh Hayes do this as a writer and then still have the collaborations for like fun and, and enjoy them, mm -hmm. but be able to, to make it as an author, doing just 
Josh Hayes words, if that makes any sense. Like the, no, totally. the ghost writing project is great. The, the collaborative products are great. Um, but for this year, the big, the big, I think, what if for the big goal is to let's see if I can do that under Josh Hayes brand word. And, um, we'll see, we'll see. I think it'll happen. I think it will. See, so big, big, hairy, audacious goal though. Like these are, these are excellent goals, but this is like, I want a Netflix show or I want to be the next expanse or I want like, what is that when you sit down and like, if you're comfortable sharing that, like, uh, so that would be if, so my thing is, is like, I've got, I'm a huge game of Thrones fan. I've got game uh of Thrones figurines up here. Um, big, uh, like everybody talks about game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. So my thing would be, um, for the, the edge of valor series that I have to be like, a huge hit. I don't think it'll be, I've got actually a couple fantasy ideas that I'm like, I want somebody to make a, a plastic dragon like they do for game of Thrones out of this fantasy series. But, uh, for, for, for edge of valor to be like a, um, a series, uh, like the expanse, uh -huh. I would love to do a show like that where, um, they take a book and they break it down into seasons. Um, I didn't set uh, forward to write it like that but i think um cinematically you could very easily do it the, the, the way that i've written the first book um there are some some spaceship scenes that you'd have to do but very a lot less than actually in the expanse a lot less than the expanse would so be a lot cheaper productively speaking mm -hmm. uh to produce it uh, but i would love to see edge of valor hit like netflix or hbo probably well one of the two maybe even amazon prime um, but not like a ABC or, or a CBS uh, type show. I, it'd have to be like a Netflix deal. That would be that would be cool. I would I would I would be down hmm. for that. There we go. So five years from now, when we're talking about your production deal, if not even sooner, yeah. it seems to yeah. it seems to happen faster than we think it will. So um, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, hey Josh, thank you. I mean, we've been uh, I've, I've I've kept you on for like more than an hour now, so I really appreciate your time. <laughs> well, and, I'm a talk. You have to shut me up, man. <laughs> this is great. Um, anything you wanted to uh, talk about for the uh, for people to check out um, current work that or you wanted to mention before we sign off? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, uh, Wings of Redemption. Wings of Redemption is the the most recent Terranova book, uh, book three. Uh, all the Terranova books are uh, on, on Amazon. You can find them there. All my short stories. Um, like I said, Strikers War should be out in May. That's my Galaxy's Edge novel. And then uh, please, 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 in June, buy Edge of Valor. Um, it'll be out on auto. It's, it's going to be simultaneously published with uh, audio and ebook. Um, Mark Vitor is doing the uh, the audio narration. Uh, I think he starts it next week. And it, it, he read it, and I was like, oh, God, it's so good. Because uh, I love audiobooks. So when he yeah, read it, too. I got the sample. I was like, oh, it's going to be great. Um, so, yeah, uh, Edge of Valor in in july june uh pick that up that that and you can you can find me at joshhayswriter.com i don't update that website very often at all um you'll your best bet is to find me on facebook uh, we're the only keystroke medium anywhere so if you google keystroke medium you'll get our website you get our youtube channel you get our facebook page you can find me any one of those places um if you want to send me an email josh at keystrokemedium.com send me an email um hit me up on Facebook, wherever. Um, I'm not on Twitter so much. I got on Twitter the other day and I scrolled through the feed and I, and I after about five minutes, I was like, why am I here? Like this, <laughs> this is the most ridiculous. I know. I, I couldn't do it. I, I, I hate news, news stories are just a list of Twitter things and you click on it, a, you know, a tweet and you're like, why am I doing this? This is terrible. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I spent five minutes and I was like, I just wasted five minutes of my life. And yeah. So. Yeah. And one thing I want to mention about Keystroke Medium is if you've only checked out the Facebook page, there's a lot of great content on keystrokemedium.com that folks might not be aware of, like essays and, and other things there. So um, yeah, Guy Anthony DeMarco is doing our website and, and a lot of our website publishing. He's done a really good job with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time. Um, and I hope to be talking to you at some point in the future. So. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dude. Thank you. Thank yep. you so much for letting me on. Cool. I'll talk to you later.